A good Tuesday morning to you. It's December 21st. To my parents, a happy wedding anniversary. This episode of Real Talk is presented by the team at Bitcoin Well. Did you know that you can pay your employees in Bitcoin? With the employer Bitcoin savings plan, this is becoming more and more of a thing. You're seeing some pro sports franchises offer this. Some athletes are being asked to be paid at least part of their salary in Bitcoin. But why? Well, you can learn the benefits of buying and holding Bitcoin for your business at BitcoinWell.com. You'll find them as well under the Sponsors tab on our website, RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Boils your wide-eyed early in the show. We, we've just been conversing moments ago, but you're wide-eyed. What did I say that you were so what wide-eyed number? about? What number? What number you of what? You can't just say happy, happy wedding anniversary. Oh, what yeah. number? Well, it's it's their wedding anniversary, and they were born in 1974, so that would make this their 47th. They were born or they were what, married? What did I say? Married. What are you trying to back me in a corner in the first 30 seconds here? <laughs> This is what happens to guys all the time. Right? What do you mean? It's what like, do you mean? It's like, uh, you know, they'll be in a restaurant and the server's like, hello, welcome. Is there a special occasion that brings you in tonight? And the, and the guy will be, you know, he's done well so far. Yeah. Um, he's shaved and showered and uh, even like blow dried his hair and and uh he'll and he he got the dinner reservation and he's got a great gift in his pocket and then the server will be like oh and what number is this oh. and then she will look at him and kind of be like hmm <laughs> and he's like uh and then his whole night is fucked he's in trouble already luckily i remembered 74 was a big year for my parents it was like uh, dad had graduated from med school. Mom had been had been uh, running the mom, mom had been the, was the breadwinner. Right. And right. so dad's wrapping up med school and and he hangs his shingle and opens his doctor's office. Uh, 74, a big year for them. And then 77 along came this tornado, uh, this little tornado that would forever change their <laughs> lives. But uh, in all seriousness, an amazing and uh, amazing couple. And what an example they have set for us. And we're forever grateful for them. And they watch Real Talk every single morning. So I hope they're getting this live. That is an incredible, incredible feat. That's a lot of Isn't years. It? it is a lot of years. Now, when you talk to people about wedding anniversaries, if you're like number 10, everyone's like, hey, good job. Like you did it. And then if it falls apart after 15, people are like, well, you know, I mean, it was a good, it you know, it was, it was a good run. Like 15 is a good run. So there you go. Uh, lots going on today. We're going to talk to Professor Timothy Caulfield. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Every time he's on, people love it. Uh, and and he's uh, everybody knows him from his Netflix show, A User's Guide to Cheating Death. His book, well, it was called, and I want to ask him about this. It was called Relax, Damn It, A User's Guide in the Age of Anxiety. And they've just reissued it, which means they sold probably like hundreds of thousands or millions of copies. Um, and then you pointed this out, Hoyles. When they reissued it, they just called it Relax, Hey, and I wonder relax. If, yeah, hey, relax. I wonder if people were giving them giving them heck for for using a curse word. <gasps> Don't like say why damn did they it. why did they take damn it out? We're relaxed, damn it. Maybe we'll ask him. Maybe everybody's relaxed. Maybe everybody's relatively relaxed right now. Oh so yeah, he, that's definitely could, what it he is. He could ease off the pedal. Everybody's totally copacetic right now. Everything's <laughs> cool. I can't believe we're running through the news headlines today, and we'll talk about this with Professor Caulfield. Almost ten thousand five hundred new cases of COVID across the country. That's a new Canadian record, uh, not the good kind of record. Uh, here in our home province of Alberta, over the past three days, nineteen hundred twenty-five new cases. We're getting. Back Back into those numbers, Sam, you'll remember this when we were getting you, uh, what would that have been like February, March, April of this past year? Every single day, you would put these graphics boards together for us with like new cases, hospitalizations. Unfortunately, we would include deaths on that because it was like 18 or 19 or 20 deaths a day. But you remember 1925 
over a three-day period, albeit, uh, is getting right back into that territory. I remember when we were building those graphics, I was like biting my nails, being like, we can't get to 2,000. We absolutely, And then we, did, yeah. we blew right past it. And um, those... Graphics were uh, depressing to make every day. Let's, yeah, you know, to say the least. Yeah, you're right. Lauren, by the way, says, "Wow, I, I got married in '74, and my first tornado arrived in '77." Happy anniversary to the Jespersons. Oh, thanks for everyone. I check in on the live chat. I feel like sometimes our, our positive reflections should just be recognizing people in the live chat for for uh, you know how generous they are with their compliments and their good graces. Uh, you know, people are talking about getting into the holiday goodies this morning. You do it. Corinne's welcoming winter solstice this morning. Everybody's thinking about the shortest uh, night of the year, or the, at least the least daylight right now. The longest night, I guess it would be the shortest day, the longest night. And, and uh, all you pagans, what are you doing to celebrate tonight? Let us know. I'd love to hear it. You can hashtag us uh, at Real Talk RJ. That's what we're paying attention to. Uh, Sarah keeps an eye on the news as it develops. So Sam and I can basically mail it in, put on our headphones, crush beers in here. We don't even know what's going on in the world around us but sarah it's hard to believe uh and this is a testament to construction crews demolition crews paving crews the coca highway though not free flowing at 135 no. kilometers an hour but it's reopened yeah they were able to open it between hope and merit and it's allowing commercial traffic so big trucks and buses to get through turns out it's a it takes people about 45 to an hour longer than usual but hey it's open you're open and you're moving and that's yeah. gonna be good for for goods that can move as well yeah. for the trucks that can get back on the road that's hard to believe it's been closed since mid-november everybody will remember after those severe washouts and floods damaged the four-lane route in numerous areas i'll be curious to see um, so is this it, like it's reopened for limited movement, so it's not yeah. completely reconstructed. I was curious to know, and I wish I had a reference in front of you, but a lot of people were sharing these drone photos or chopper yeah. photos or whatever of the Coca-Cola. And, and some people were pointing out where the, the water had gone and saying that, you know, um, you know, with regards to rivers rerouting themselves, they wondered if it may impact or influence the redesign or the rebuild of the highway. In other words, if the highway would take new routes, but it doesn't sound like it. They've just reconstructed on the route it's been on. I mean, shockingly, I am not a road engineer, so I can't That's speak. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Sam probably is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Sam probably is. Not like mechanical guys. One, sorry. Of the, one of the other things he yeah. hasn't told us about. But this was. I this would was guess our, that they're going to re. Like, they're. Like long term, I would imagine that they have to reroute because there's just there's no it's going to happen again. These are some of the things that we've been thinking about. We yeah. had that roundtable. Well, I guess it was probably coming up on about a month ago now yeah. uh, with the, one of the fellows that had actually built the highway. He was like the president of the company and the president of the whatever association of BC. It, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, the guy was kind of I was like, you got that. That's a great guy because that was the guy whose company literally built big, long yeah. stretches of the Coca-Cola. He had insight there. I remember when I asked him that question, do you think that they're going to sort of reroute the highway he gave me one of those really nice answers that like you know shopkeepers give little kids like <laughs> no well, dumb, dumb. <laughs> well little johnny uh let me explain how it actually works when you build highways thank you for your question though he's like there are no dumb questions i was like i didn't say it was a dumb question <laughs> I didn't say it was. What are you talking about? No, I didn't say it was a dumb question. Now that you bring that back, yeah, like he did say, no, you can't rewrote. Like yeah. there's just there, well, do, there's so do much. You realize how like steep that is. How in the engineering that's gone into it, and it's not like it was built a hundred years ago. No. It was built in the what was the Coca Hall in the eighties, probably ish. I remember it yeah. opening eighties, yeah, nineties. Yeah, remember everybody had the bumper stickers on their uh, like Ford LTD station wagons. I drove the Coca Cola. Oh. Everybody had those bumper I stickers. I, that's probably before my time, but it's it's. I mean, to the that was gentle of you. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> 
I, I, either that or I just wasn't, you know, personally conscious of bumper uh-huh. stickers at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate that. <laughs> Speaking of positive reflections, it's presented by the team at Kubi Energy and a big happy birthday to the founding CEO of Kubi Energy, uh, Jake Kubiski, who turned, I think, like 21 yesterday or something like that. The young fella's really making moves. Um, I love Jake's story. Electrician in oil and gas up in the oil sands, in fact, and he saw things changing. He saw trends emerging, and he saw solar as a viable next step for his career, and boy, has he ever done something big with it. Kubi's still relatively a young company, but doing big installs with Tesla-certified installers in BC and Alberta. Whether it's residential, commercial solar power systems you're looking for, they are a full-service contractor. You can get a free quote today at kubienergy.ca. Hey, you're in trouble. (laughs) You know exactly who you are. You know that we are four days till Christmas, and you don't have diddly squat figured out. You're in serious trouble right now. Interbreathe Outdoors. Everybody's going to be happy about a gift from Breathe Outdoors. Why? Because they, since the 1960s, under their former brand, Campers Village, have been carrying the best brands trusted most outside, like the North Face and Smart Wool and Osprey and Kuma. If you're a hiker, if you're a climber, a paddler, you know these brands because you wear these brands. You know they last. The Winter Adventure sale's on right now. You can save up to 40% off outdoor gear in-store or online. If you happen to visit them in store and spend a minimum of 30 bucks, mention our name and they're going to hook you up with a ceramic coffee mug. These things are beautiful. Just mention Real Talk on purchases of $30 or more. Also wanted to give a shout out to our friends Uh, coming up. uh, We're going to be looking at our hashtag, obviously, through the day today. And we tell you every single day it's powered by the team at Park Power. You know, you can switch right now, internet, electricity, and natural gas. But why, Jespo? But why would we switch? I don't know. Paying less? More reliable? A friendly local utilities provider where real life humans answer the phone if you call? They can help you break up with your big, lousy utility provider. The one that doesn't give a rip about you. The one that doesn't donate to charity. Park Power donates a profit proceeds you know 10 percent that's a pretty big chunk of their proceeds of electricity revenues to nonprofits in their neighborhood we love it the promo code 2021-realtalk gets you 70 bucks off your first bill all right let's get to it this guy i mean yeah she's got like books and tv series and all these professional accreditations but more importantly than any of that he's a real beauty professor timothy caulfield a canada research chair in health law and policy a best-selling author we're going to talk about his new book relax just been reissued and of course his show on netflix a user's guide to cheating death it airs in more than 60 countries around the world uh, super cool stuff always great to have a chance to catch up with this fella welcome back to the show it's good to see your smiling face a happy holiday season to you how, how did we manage to secure you in the week leading up to the big shutdown for the holidays lucky us uh you know what i got all my shopping done Ooh, i got all my wrapping done what oh yeah you know i don't want to make the rest of the world feel bad now you're just <laughs> but, showing uh, off yeah uh so i'm i'm ready for you ryan are you uh <laughs> are you the guy that like creases the corners on the wrap and all the ribbons or you use the scissors to make the ribbons curl and uh, your stuff's just impeccable i would imagine I, I i'm pretty good like i'm pretty good i i, I don't want to flex too much here about my my wrapping prowess but uh 
It's one of my uh, strongest traits. I say flex. Flex away. If it's one of your strongest <laughs> traits and you know it, flex away. Hey, we were wondering, congratulations on the reissue of your book. Typically, they don't reissue books that have flopped and not sold. So I'm reading into it that a whole bunch of people have picked it up. But we noticed a change on the cover. And uh, for people tuning in on YouTube, they can see it right now. So here's the original. Relax, damn it. Uh, a user's guide to the age of anxiety. We talked to you when that book first came out. And it's been reissued under a different title, sorta. Just relax. A guide to everyday health decisions with more facts and less worry. Why'd you take the damn it out? You know, I am powerless. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I think they just want, they wanted to give it a tweak. Uh, I, and I think the, actually the subtitle was more interesting because I think a lot of, it, it was it really the book as you know uh ryan the book really talks about all the forces that shape our daily decisions and you know i talk about the mundane you know the funny and and the serious and it, it really was about um you know how we can focus more on facts and less on worry so i think that was the that was the reason for the change um and and uh i i like the damn it <laughs> so uh yeah, I, I, I do, too. I can I can hear people in my life saying it. Relax, damn it. You know, and so yeah. it kind of jumps off the page at you. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that you put out there certainly grabs our attention. And uh, this was the case. So like uh, to give people an idea of what you and I want to talk, I want to talk about Dr. Oz with you. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers, the uh, Green Bay Packers all star quarterback. Uh, I think they call him all pro the all pro quarterback. But first, I want to talk to you about Tucker Carlson, the Fox News host who what does he make about 20 million US a year something like that maybe more maybe he makes 30 uh, I was getting confused the 10 million here 10 million there but you know you say, you say yesterday more infuriating bs from how does he sleep at night on a bed of money Tucker Carlson zero evidence to support his claims you say this guy is evil I don't see you throw that word around very often what is it about Tucker Carlson you know, I don't throw it around very often. In fact, I'm always telling people you got to be empathetic. You've mm -hmm. got to listen to people. You got to be kind. Uh, you know, these, I think he's evil. I do think he's evil because he knows that I, I really believe he knows what he is saying is BS. Um, he, he, for example, you know, that entire Fox staff, I'm sure you've heard this. They're all vaccinated. In fact, I think it's a requirement to come into work at, at Fox News. You have to be vaccinated. At, at the same time, he's pushing misinformation about vaccine risks and 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 uh, conspiracy theories about about the vaccine. And, you know, uh, th this idea that if you're young and healthy, maybe you don't need to get vaccinated. I mean, this is really evil stuff because I think he knows he knows it's wrong and he's doing it because it's his brand and it speaks to his audience. Um you know, I, I think it's just terrible in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a pandemic. So, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think evil is overstating it. I've got a buddy. I'm not going to say his name, but it was interesting. You know, I saw you. You're, you're posting about this saying Tucker Carlson. Here he goes again. How does he sleep at night? The guy's evil. And uh, my buddy's posting at the same time going, this is great. This is good information. Everybody should check this out. Everybody should hear this. And I'm just going. Oh, man. And I sat there yesterday and I kind of was trying to figure out what to do about it. And I decided not to do anything because I just didn't feel like picking a fight. I didn't feel like engaging. But I also stopped myself from unfriending the guy because I, I sort of thought, you know, I, I, I do quite care about this guy. We've traveled together. We've played lots of golf together, but I'm just so sick and tired of it. Uh, just seeing these. It's kind of funny. I mean, if you look at who's calling who sheep. 
and then you look at what some people are believing. I just and I know what he'd probably say about me now. He'd probably probably make a bunch of comments about how I'm a, I'm a snob and I'm a mainstream media, whatever. And he'd probably tie it to the prime minister somehow. But I'm just getting so sick and tired of it. Well, it's interesting because because Tucker Carlson and people like Joe Rogan is another person we can go on on about. They are very clever how they inject the misinformation because it's always about just asking questions, you know, jacking off, right? I'm just asking, I'm just asking questions. You know, maybe the vaccines don't work. I'm just asking a question. How, how can that be wrong? And, and it's a very powerful form of misinformation because it seems benign. It almost seems in fact, almost noble, right? That, you know, it's important to ask questions and therefore it's easy to cast those who are saying, Hey, Tucker, you're wrong. Joe Rogan, you're wrong as the evil people because you're silencing them. Uh, And unfortunately, this strategy, this strategy of claiming that you're being silenced, you know, being on Joe Rogan, you're clearly not being (laughs) silenced. Right. Uh, You know, categorizing it being silenced. And and also this this idea that somehow it's a noble form of inquiry, uh, really powerful form of misinformation. Yeah, it's it's interesting Like you look throughout history at people that have made billions of dollars on things that, you know, could could qualify as harmful. Uh, to society or harmful to humanity and you look at these broadcasters and these platforms and Tucker Carlson's laughing all the way to the bank I mean Fox is laughing all the way to the bank Joe Rogan has probably uh, the most subscribed podcast on planet earth Uh, he's certainly in the top five or top ten the guy's making he made a hundred million dollars off his Spotify deal Um, I remember back when Joe Rogan was just like an MMA commentator and like would would host reality shows and things and now he's the guy that's telling young fit males you know his demo that they don't have to get vaccinated he wouldn't worry about it if he was younger if he was fit like he is he wouldn't worry about it. he's talking about invermectin he's talking about all these other things and i i kind of wonder uh you know kind of when that tide turned for him and you know i mean maybe it was just the bottom line there's people commenting on our live chat right now saying it's just it's what sells it's the bottom line but during a pandemic the stakes are so much higher right and that's what i think drives so many people nuts you're, you're so right. You know, Joe Rogan, I think was it last week he had Peter McCullough on. And this, this is a physician who ha- is being sued by a uh, his former uh, hospital because to get a restraining order. So they don't he doesn't have any kind of affiliation with them. He, he a known spreader of mis- misinformation. Uh, and and he has him on there and it's a three hour interview and it's incredibly, incredibly destructive. You know, I get you know, people are sending me messages about it all the time um, and it does real, real damage. You know, I, I think one of the really big problems with Joe Rogan is this kind of the exact demographic that is being hesitant, that is being complacent. Um, you know, they lean slightly right. I think Rogan is viewed as a hard right person, but appeals to that audience. Uh, and again, he's using that just asking questions strategy that just uh, spreads misinformation in this in this way that makes it seem very, very appealing. And, and when you're sitting on the fence with something like a vaccine, all you need to do is inject out. Right. You know, if you're you know ray- weighing the risks and benefits and just a little bit of jou- doubt coming from Joe Rogan might be enough for you to to not uh, not get the vaccine, which is just, you know, really, really maddening. I, th- I think part of it, and, and you touched on this, 
Tim, is is that Joe Rogan's kind of the like, hey, yeah, right? He's like the <laughs> likable guy. He's not this sort of like, you know, this sort of like fascist personality where people immediately beware him. There are, there are certain people, I, I, now that I've invoked the word fascist, I should be careful about what names I use next. But <laughs> but there are some, you know, people with public voices where <clears throat> you look at them. And Alex just, Jones or well, someone like sure, that. Sure, Alex Jones. Or, I mean, I was even, you know, I was thinking of, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. But, but, but people where you just go, yeah, they're, they just kind of, they give me the heebie-jeebies. And Joe Rogan is more just like a hey, I mean, come on, guy, don't take it too, you know, don't take it too. I just heard this, and I just thought I'd throw it. I just heard this, but it's like these decisions and things he's saying, people take as God speak, and then it impacts people in their regular everyday lives. I mean, if you know, you mentioned that doctor that was just on Rogan. Like I've seen that interview posted all over the place by people who really and 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 when people haven't really been paying attention to what's going on, you know, generally speaking, they're not educating themselves on on evidence based conversations. And, 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 you know, uh, sort of proclamations, if you will, or updates on research from public health authorities. And they hear this and they see it as this explosive moment where this one doctor has finally come forward to speak out against the big grand conspiracy. And, you know, they see it as as opposed to what it should be seen as, which is one or two outliers uh, MDs for sure. But, you know, I, I know that there are some MDs that that, quite frankly, uh, let's just say, aren't observing the Hippocratic Oath through this. Right. And, and what a disservice right. it does, generally speaking, to public dialogue. You're right. And in fact, I think that interview, Ryan, isn't taken seriously enough by by entities like the Public Health Agency of Canada or, you know, these or, or even the provincial governments. We need like that kind of interview is so damaging we need a group of experts to get together and do a point by point debunk because something with that interview is it, it feels like, oh, it's just his opinion, Tim. And you're trying to silence this point of view. There's lies. There's clear you know, cherry picking of data, completely ignoring the scientific consensus, what the body of evidence says on topics, misrepresenting things like you know, the risks associated with vaccines. It's, it's not just someone's opinion. He is clearly spinning what the science actually says and sometimes just lying. Um, so, yeah, we need to have a more robust response, I think, from from the higher ups <laughs> for that kind of interview, because it does so, so much damage. I, I think partly it's because people don't recognize the role that Joe Rogan plays in pop culture. He's really, really, I think he's either number one or number two podcast on planet earth. Yeah, no, he really is. And uh, I mean, that's how you get the hundred million dollar deal. Uh, Arnold's watching. He says, you know, asking questions is not the problem. Joe Rogan has a problem with playing fast and loose with the facts. And he plays it off as ah, it's entertainment. But with a platform that big, says Arnold, I would argue he is news, uh, which is kind of an interesting statement. Certainly doesn't adhere to the same, uh, you know, code of standards or ethics that a standard newsroom might. Uh, but at the same time, you could argue that Joe Rogan certainly makes news with a lot of his conversations, and a lot of the things that are said on that platform, to be sure. Um, let's talk about some of the other influencers out there. I mean, Dr. Oz has been a big one. And now there's a, <laughs> look, I wish people on the people on the podcast won't be able to see your face. I feel like I should have uh, I should have issued a trigger warning before I said that name. You just <laughs> you, you sort of had this like neck twitch. What is it about doc? people going to go? What's wrong with Dr. Oz? What's wrong with Dr. Oz? Why did why did your neck do that? Oh, well, because he's been driving me nuts for, is it, I want to say decades, but for a very, very long time. I think it's almost decades, isn't it? Like Probably. 15 years, I think. Sure. Know. Yeah. It, it just, he has been a, a source of misinformation for so, so long. Uh, and, and the other, one of the reasons I wrote, I wrote the piece that was in um, uh, Scientific American 
last week, um, is uh, he's a very, very good example of where tolerating pseudoscience gets us, right? You know, when he first came out, he started talking about, you know, wellness applications and bunk, bunk diets and homeopathy and things like that, that we know have, there's no evidence to support at all. People kind of thought, oh, it's just fun. It's just entertainment. But I think he's a really good example of where tolerating, you know, not correcting it and just letting it flow <laughs> for entertainment purposes, where it gets you, right? The, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and now, you know, the stuff he said was bunk before the pandemic, it's bunk now and it's going to be bunk after the pandemic. So I, I think he really sort of symbolizes, you know, what tolerating misinformation, you know, where, where it can bring you. In addition to that, I think it's a good reminder that the the regulators, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, the, you know, in the United States, it's the licensing boards. They got to step up. You know, maybe they don't pull his license, but they they issue a formal sanction to say, you know, that this is wrong. You know, you and and these these regulatory bodies, like the College of Physicians and Surgeons, etc. This is their job. You know, this is their moment. <laughs> this is why you exist uh, is to protect the public. It's not to protect your membership. It's to protect. The public. And to be fair, to be fair, I know that colleges across Canada are starting to do more and also in the United States. And there are, yes, there's resource issues and yes, there's process challenges. But this is a crisis, right? When you have MDs spreading misinformation, and this is exactly why those regulatory bodies exist. So, uh, yeah, Dr. Oz, a great example of how tolerating pseudoscience can do real public harm. And also, also a really good example of why regulatory bodies need to step step up and monitor their their uh, their members, especially in the in the health space. And Ryan, if I can, one more thing I think he he symbolizes is the degree to which misinformation has become about ideology. Because remember, he's running for the GOP, right? He's running as a Republican, uh, which is very on brand, I think, for both Dr. Oz and the Republican Party. Yeah, he wants to be a senator in, uh, out of Pennsylvania. Uh, you argue in your piece, people can read it at scientificamerican.com, the headline, Dr. Oz shouldn't be a senator or a doctor. Uh, you argue that in Congress, he'd do much worse than he's already done with what you call his brand of misinformation. Uh, you're concerned, I'm assuming, with his influence on public policy. Is that the main concern? Uh, that that's right. And, and he's going to play to a base that we know already is, uh, and, and research I'm not picking on an ideology. You know, it's important to have a, you know, a whole uh, spectrum of ideologies in a, in a liberal democracy. Uh, but we know that his base, uh, research tells us is, is more likely to believe misinformation, more likely to spread mis misinformation, that base being in the United States, people uh, on the Republican side uh, of the aisle. Um, and there, there's no reason to think that all of a sudden Dr. Oz is going to turn to science, especially since he's going to be part of that establishment. Look, you know, some people think he doesn't have a chance because he doesn't have that strong of a connection to Pennsylvania. But we've thought that before. Right? So uh, I, I am worried that uh, he's going to get in and then he's going to do a lot, you know, have real harm with respect to sort of an anti-science agenda. I'm going to I'm going to tread where many commentators would fear to tread and that is to ask you with her track record although she's a legend and one of the richest people on planet earth and perhaps folks favorite for the next democratic president of the united states you know where i'm going with this I'm, I, I know where based you're going. on dr oz based on dr phil at what point does oprah need to be called to the carpet i mean she's a business person as well ratings matter in her business but her credibility gave credibility to these two um, at a time when a lot of people, especially with the luxury of looking back, have said, maybe we've been given these two more credit than they deserve. 
Oh, Oprah, right now, <laughs> she, uh, I, I think she deserves some, some blame. You know, she's a really good example of someone who has tolerated pseudoscience. Um, and uh, I, I think she does it in the, uh, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to just, just unplug my the, phone take there. Take the call. Just let them know what's <laughs> up. Let what you know. <laughs> it's probably Oprah's people. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to lose powerful. your book deal, <laughs> Caulfield? You <laughs> want to languish in obscurity? <laughs> the all-knowing eye. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that she has done, you know, she's done real harm by tolerating pseudoscience. Uh, and she does it in, in often in, in, a, in a very similar, and this is going to sound like put, putting them in the same Venn diagram, in the very similar way to Joe Rogan does, but in a much more kind of, you know, friendly manner, just asking questions, just that diversity of opinions. Uh, but think about when she had Jenny McCarthy on her show, which really, have obviously, you know, it's like pouring jet f- fuel into the anti-vax uh, autism uh, vaccine can lie uh, and, and setting it off, right? Uh, and Oprah really does deserve some blame for not only just tolerating pseudoscience, but for giving it a, a, a platform. Yeah. Boys were talking about Jenny McCarthy last night. I had no idea she's married to Donnie Wahlberg from the New Kids. That has nothing to do with anything. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Now, you know, I, I troll her all the time. I, again, empathy. Listen, <laughs> so yeah. important. Yeah. But but I she's on the mask and I don't think, you know, she's been called out enough for that. I mean, you know, she's a, a really, really um, what's it called? The Masked Singer. Really uh. popular show. Right. And that she escaped the damage that she has done. To continue to have that platform, I, I get frustrated. But I, yeah, and I, I, you're like the guy that I look to, and we've had these conversations before because I'm the person that wants to be like, you're a fucking idiot, shut up. Like that, that's <laughs> kind of my thing. And then you're always like empathy, understanding, seek to under, keep it classy, Jess. But I'm always kind of like, eh. Uh, but but you kind of get to the point now where it's you know people, I don't know. It, it it feels like there's been anxiety and there's been division, and now I I, I sense a trend where some people want to. I mean, even you look at Alberta's policy over the holidays and the message from the premier where he's like unvaccinated people can now gather and and he basically said it's kind of an opportunity for you to i mean these aren't his exact words but he basically was like you know we're not looking to drive division between someone and their unvaccinated aunt and i'm sitting there going like you know these are the people that have seen icus overwhelmed you know they've seen literally millions of people dead around the world from this and still they're such selfish pricks that they're not getting vaccinated even though they know that's our ticket out of here how do you not know that by now how has that not been banged into your brain by now and my sense, my pendulum is not swinging back toward the let's all get along again. My, my pendulum's gone the other way. I have no problem being honest about that. Well, you know, I, right, I'm starting to get there, too. And, and what I always try to remind myself is, you know, it, it really doesn't do any good for those that you were trying to convince. Right. Or, or I don't but I'm not trying convince, to convince right? anybody anymore, Tim. That's my point. Like, I, yeah, I just, well, this I, is where I'm going. This is like the beginning of my sentence. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> there's going to be a there's going to be a comma and a but. But I I have been, you know, I follow this so, so closely and I don't know a single ind- I have, you know, and I listen so closely and I, I, I don't know a single individual that is not getting vaccinated now. Right. That is doing it because of access issues or equity issues. People are getting vaccinated now because they believe misinformation. Right. That. I, I don't know a single person, they, and I, I know they're out there because I've seen the research, and there are still people, there are still access and equity issues, and we need to address those things. But right now, it really, is about misinformation and ide- ideology. That's that's the core of what's going on right now. 
And so it can be frustrating. It, it is maddening, right? So, but still, we've got to rem- remember, give these people a path to credible information. They're not going to change their minds in front of you, but maybe we can just change, you know, a, a few more minds. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not super optimistic about it, but I'm glad that you are because you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. I mean, your piece in Scientific American is convincing. People should read it about Dr. Oz. But KT is absolutely right on our chat, says, sadly, the people likely to vote for Dr. Oz are probably the least likely to be reading Scientific American. Right. Like, like I don't know yeah. how many. I, I, I didn't see a lot of people on January 6th, you know, clamoring the walls to get into the Capitol building with their, you know, like paper copies of Scientific American under their arms. Uh, but, you know, people are making good comments as well about, you know, Fatima says, for example, she says, you know, kids with autism. She says, I tell people I have autistic kids way before the pandemic. And the first question she'd often get is, oh, did you vaccinate them? She says this was a problem way before covid. Yeah, it, absolutely. And that's so fr- maddening, isn't it? Isn't it maddening? Because there's also this element of trying to to guilt a parent. Uh, it's just incredibly maddening. It, it's kind of cruel uh, in uh, in a way. Um, yeah, the, absolutely. Misinformation has been around. You know, I've been studying it for decades. Uh, it's been around for a very long time, but it's been been supercharged now, right? Supercharged now. And uh, and and this comment also reminds me of of things that uh, one of the other themes that we're hearing from those who are spreading misinformation, like Peter McCullough is somehow that they're these brave individuals, right? They're the brave ones fighting against the noise. And, and, and on that Joe Rogan show, he actually said that the reason that we have vaccines, this is so maddening and so, again, cruel. He argued the reason we have vaccines, the right, reason vaccines have been pushed and treatments haven't been pushed is because frontline doctors and frontline, frontline workers uh, were afraid. And that's why they pushed... PPEs and vaccines because they didn't want to have to give people treatments. And we know these treatments don't work, right? You know, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, which was the one, two that he was pushing. And he, his argument is they haven't been pushed because frontline workers, like frontline healthcare workers who have done so much for us, right, are cowards. Can you believe that? And I can't believe he hasn't been called out for that incredibly cruel, nihilistic comment. Yeah, I just I, and I don't even know if this is responsible for me to say. I mean, we talk about people being responsible with their platforms. But if I'm being honest with you, my real talk is that when I saw people protesting outside hospitals, when I saw people taking aim at healthcare workers, I wanted to round up about 30 of my pals and head down there with hockey sticks. And I know they're not supposed to say that kind of stuff, but I was so enraged by that display. I'm actually surprised that there wasn't more conflict outside those hospitals. That to me is like, we've got to protect those that are protecting us. I know that, you know, Edmonton Police Service will be like, seriously, you're going to go talk about bringing hockey sticks to a to a legal protest. I'll tell you, man, I had had it up to there at that point. And I think if that fired up again, I wouldn't be surprised to see I'm using a gentle word like conflict. Wouldn't be surprised to see a few people get their asses handed to them outside the hospital. I mean, that's just the line you don't cross. That, you know, that was really, really maddening um, and, and very similar to what I just described. Right. Um, and, and the other thing that is they pre- again, they present their argument kind of as it's almost it's noble and they're self-righteous and it's about rights. That's the other thing that you're often seeing. Right. This shift from from you know misinformation to it's about rights. There was an interesting Angus Reid study that came out uh, beginning of November, I believe, that found for those that are not getting vaccinated, um, the reason was as much as about rights, you know, this is my right not to get vaccinated, as it was about um, 
uh, misinformation around the harms of the vaccine. And I think that is incredibly telling because that that points to there's misinformation both about your rights. You know, it's completely <laughs> misinformation. There's so much misinformation about rights and law in this space. Uh, but also how much has become about ideology. And unfortunately, once it becomes about ideology, it does become more difficult to change people's minds, which, you know, going back to what you just said, uh, Ryan. So, um, yeah, a very frustrating time. But despite all that, here I am going to go. <laughs> Empathy, listen, try to give people a path to credible information. I will say one more thing, you know, uh, Ryan, there is a little bit of, uh, of qualitative research, and this is a bit of speculation in the academic community, but it's backed up by by research and, and you know, informed speculation that one of the reasons that mandates work is because they give hardcore deniers the opportunity to maintain their cognitive dissonance. In other, so in other words, they go, look, I didn't want to get vaccinated. I still think it's terrible, but I had to for my job. Right. So mm -hmm. it's a way they can save face because that's what's really difficult. Right. When people when it's become part of their personal identity, it's very difficult to change their minds and mandates allow them right to hold both those positions, um, which it, I think is one of the reasons that research tells us mandates work. Yeah, no. And that's that's a fair point. Uh, I appreciate it. I mean, Chad says right now hospitals are sacred places. People take their first and final breaths within those walls. Uh, Tracy says, I'm, I'm seeing some Alberta docs, uh, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, nurses who are standing up against the vaccine says, I'm, I'm so confused about that. Some are trying to sue Alberta Health Services. We saw the number. What was it? A few days ago confirmed that there's more than sixteen hundred Alberta health workers uh, that are currently on unpaid leave, unpaid suspension because they won't get vaccinated. Um, I respect their right to make that decision for themselves, but you don't get to enter the hospital. You don't get to collect a paycheck. I guess I'm fine with that trade off. Uh, people are going to come at me and say, you're OK with their livelihoods being taken away. I mean, I don't I mean, I can think of 100 ways I'd like to respond to that. Um, but I mean, I guess if you want to work in a hospital, you're not going to get on board and get vaccinated. Uh, quite frankly, I lack sympathy there. I can be empathetic without sympathy, can't I? <laughs> can I understand where they're coming from in a way, but yeah, also I, I think so. have sort I think of a cold hearted so. response? I mean, they're making a choice. That's their choice to make. You don't, nobody yeah, asks you. Choices have consequences. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, when people try to, to um, the other horrific parallel that you are, are always seeing now is this comparing it to the Holocaust. Again, incredibly enraging. Um, but this is not an immutable characteristic, right? This is a choice that you are making. Um, a, a choice that is, it, research tells us, is selfish. It's not based on science. This is a choice you're making and you can have consequences. If, if you know, the nurses wanted to smoke a cigarette in the neonatal intensive care unit and, and you said they couldn't, right, you know, oh, I got to get another gig, um, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, choices have consequences. I want to ask you this in closing. Uh, you say that your your viewing experience, are you a big NFL guy? You say your viewing experience has been ruined by the prominent anti-vax voices, uh, including Aaron Rodgers, who basically lied to everybody and was exposed. He said he had been immunized in an interview at the beginning of the year. Nobody sort of followed up on that to say, what do you mean by the word immunized? Tried to trick everybody, did not observe the NFL's protocols for unvaccinated players, including wearing masks in interviews, basically lied to literally millions of people if not billions of people around the world who are NFL fans. Aaron Rodgers disgraced, but still a hero on the gridiron, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, you literally, are you being serious? You can't watch the NFL right now because of what you're seeing? 
Yeah, I, I find it incredibly difficult to watch right now. And Aaron Rodgers is so infuriating. I, and, and Ryan, I think he's going to win the Super Bowl in the MVP. So I don't know if I can watch. And I'm a huge NFL fan. Yeah, I know it's a horrible league. It's got a terrible culture. But, you know, it's what I grew up with. And I'm a huge fan. It was sort of my sanctuary. You know, I can't watch it anymore. I, I find it so mad. He was terrible. He And he was wrong about everything. Right. He was wrong about ivermectin. He was wrong about homeopathy. He was wrong about IV vitamin therapy. He was wrong about Joe Rogan. Um, he was wrong about the idea that it was a risk to his fertility. Uh, and he spread that and hasn't really changed. He ha- hasn't taken it. It said, sorry, I was wrong. He hasn't said any of that, those things. So really, really infuriating. And I don't think the NFL's done enough to call him out. Uh, you know, I think he should have been suspended. Uh, and there are all these other high profile. Now, to be fair, something like 95 percent of the athletes are vaccinated. Um, so I, I, you know, I've got to weigh that, but I, I do find it really, really tough uh, to, to watch. I can't, I couldn't watch green Bay play and they ended up winning this weekend, which uh, <laughs> was uh, aggravating. Yeah. It's just, I just think, I mean, I, I understand the emotion. Like I was like Detroit red wings, like Tyler Bertuzzi scored the other night and he's unvaccinated. And I was just like, yeah, beat it. Like as soon as see him celebrating the goal or the assist, whatever it was, I beat it. Yeah, but it's an interesting it, philosophical it, question, right? Cause you know, your heroes are never perfect. You know, yeah, artists are sure. never perfect. Authors are never, but this seems like it's over the line, especially Aaron Rodgers, Cause there's other, other athletes that are, aren't vaccinated and they're, and they're quiet. And that still bugs me. But but he's become kind of, again, this this force, this voice for the anti-vax community. Sure. I mean, there's millions of people that wear his jerseys around. Right. I mean, like whatever he's going to say, they're going to listen to it. It, it, it. Infuriating, to say the least. OK, so we take away from all this empathy, empathy. Yeah, OK, I get it. But a little fury mixed in. Right. Just not too much. Yeah. It's like it's like truffle oil. A little too much will ruin it. But just the right amount. That sweet, sweet taste. Uh, Professor Timothy Caulfield, Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy, best-selling author, including uh, his new book, just been reissued, Relax, A Guide to Everyday Health Decisions with More Facts, Less Worry. You can check out his show on Netflix, A User's Guide to Cheating Death, and read his most recent piece at scientificamerican.com. Always so good to see you. A very happy holiday season to you. A very Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you in January, February-ish. Thanks so much. Thanks to the uh, entire team, and I hope you, everyone there has a a great holiday. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put it uh we'll put us on a wide shot now so you can see the rest of the team here in studio and, and you can take a look at our absolutely pathetic poinsettia <laughs> in the foreground. Go I've, team. This is the poinsettia that I murdered this week, so enjoy. Uh thanks Tim. Great to see you, pal. Uh Timothy Caulfield, give him a follow on Twitter at Caulfield Tim. I got I got to say I I really appreciate the comments uh here, you know, people are are, are chiming in and, and making this uh, what do you say? Making it relevant in your own lives. Right. And I appreciate that. Like, you know, the boots on the ground type stories, the real life type stories and uh, people talking about how, for example, anti-vax movements or, or, or comments, individuals are impacting your personal lives, including one of you sharing how your your young kid at his job his minimum wage job. A teenager is encountering this kind of stuff right on the front lines. That's the stuff that drives me absolutely nuts. You think of who's been put in positions of having to deal with all the hassle Right. I mean, I think for that one example of many is like the teenagers are typically like the younger staff members, the hosts, the hostesses in restaurants, you know, that have to deal with people. And, and even the little thing like, uh, you know, they, they apologize. I'm so I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but can I check your QR code? Can I check? And, and you know, they're dealing. There's always going to be the one person. Well, I guess I got it. It's like, hey, man, you know, Brendan didn't make the policy here. Guys making 15 bucks an hour. Like, show him your QR code. Right. Like, come on, man. 
you can let us know what you think uh, obviously we're looking for emails uh you know i mean that that allow you a chance to kind of you know expand or you know get a little bit more into what you'd like the rest of the audience to hear we're going to read some of your emails today and into the rest of the week talk at ryanjesperson.com i want to remind you how proud we are to be partnering up with kendall jackson wines this holiday season kendall jackson is our wine of the month right here on real talk uh, you know the brand obviously uh, for many many years it's been recognized as one of the best in the world uh, off the California coast, a beautiful winery you can check out at KJ.com. What do we love about it? Green Company of the Year by the Drinks Business. That was in 2020, recognizing global sustainability and leadership in the beverage industry. You know, you're going to pick up a few bottles of wine for your gathering or for your celebrations over the next couple of weeks. Why not make it Kendall Jackson? You know, their wines are produced with a third less water than the industry standard. We love that. Also love that all of their venting and bottling is happening with the largest solar generator generator in the industry period it's super cool you can read about it on their website and learn a little bit more about those sustainability initiatives feel good about the wine you buy at kendall jackson if you're tuning in by the way out of calgary uh co-op wine spirits and beer has kendall jackson on flyer this month so special deal for you also a big shout out to our friends at jet set parking if you happen to be on your way out of town and you want to keep some money in your jeans the best move you can make right now is to swing on over to jetsetparking.com and reserve your parking using the promo code REALTALK. You can save big bucks by booking online right now. You can book your parking till the end of 2022, the end of next year. You can book it now with the promo code REALTALK for just $5 a day. Imagine coming back from two weeks away and you owe them like 70 bucks for the entire time. Can't believe I did that math on the fly. I'm pretty impressed with myself, as a matter of fact. What I did was I went seven times five, 35 times two is 70. You are a I learned genius. I to, learned to just break it down and then build it back up. Look at you go. 35 bucks a week, five bucks a day with the promo code REALTALK at jetsetparking.com. A big shout out to our friends at the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra as well. This is a wonderful time of year. They've got some incredible concerts going on. If you're looking to really dive and in, get into the spirit, a traditional Christmas is on right now. Youth tickets, $15. Adult tickets, $25. These are the carols, you know, selections from the Nutcracker Suite, the classic stuff, right? Plus, holiday magic underway as well. You got two more nights tonight, tomorrow night, with ESO Chief Conductor Alex Pryor, and then Hollywood for the Holidays kicks off just after Boxing Day, December 28th through the 30th, with guest conductor Lucas Walden. These are all the Hollywood hits Star Wars, Sound of Music, Harry Potter. Beauty and the Beast, all performed by the incredible Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. Get your tickets at windspearcenter.com. How much do you know about Reddit? I mean, if you really know about Reddit, you really know. I'm not there. But what I do know is that there is a loyal and embedded following that goes to Reddit for conversation, for analysis, for breaking news. It's been around forever, it seems. Its layout is relatively basic. I'm not quite sure what its revenue model looks like. Sure, there's some advertising, but not a ton. Did you know that Reddit is going public? The IPO coming up in 2022, its most recent funding round yielded $700 million, means the company's worth about $10 billion. Now, to put that into perspective, it's it's about 15 percent the size of Snap, you know, Snapchat. So that that gives you kind of a general sense of how big Reddit is. About 50 million people as uh, count themselves as daily active users. 
about 50 billion monthly page views. So just a bit more than RyanJesperson.com, but not more than the other big players online. How do we decide whether or not this is worth the investment? Now, let me be clear. Never take your investment advice from me. If you do, you're going to blow it big time. But we want to give you information that you can make wise decisions with. And that's why we're excited to have Tony Maya Diné joining us, an, a, a, an assistant lecturer at the Alberta School of Business, Department of Finance, teaches at the University of Toronto in the Faculty of Engineering, the Rotman School of Management. A top shelf booking by Sarah Hoyles. Tony, welcome to the show. We're grateful to have you here. Good morning. Hello, Ryan. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, would you qual- would you uh, would you qualify as a redditor? Are you a Reddit guy? Um, <clears throat> actually, I'm not particularly active as a participant in social media. I, I tend to look more at social media from a an academic perspective and. Uh, so it's, it's it's that's more of my relationship with Reddit. OK, I wanted to give kind of just some general big, you know, sort of bird's eye view perspectives on what Reddit is and who it serves and who uses it. But can you take us into it? You're sort of more. Um, what do we say? Informed analysis of what makes Reddit so unique. <laughs> I'm not sure that my uh, analysis is much more informed than yours, but basically I would probably describe Reddit as um, I, I mean, <clears throat> Perhaps the best way that a, a, a listener would, would be able to get a sense of it is just to Google Reddit and, and see what it looks like. I already saw the, the, uh, the screenshot that you had going there. We could think of Reddit as um, a newspaper for the people. Actually, uh, perhaps a wonderful way to describe Reddit would be uh, using what we call the Gettysburg Principles. It is uh, a, a website by the users, uh, of the users, by the users, and for the users, if you can use that sort of parallel from the Gettysburg Address. Uh, essentially, what we have are people that come and post um, <clears throat> questions and um, and they get answers to these questions. Uh, probably one of the most famous ones was Ask Me Anything, which is a subreddit uh, in which we had people come and ask questions. And uh, uh, former President Barack Obama would answer those questions or, or uh, uh, musician Snoop Dogg would answer these questions. Uh, so that would be a general sense of what Reddit would be. But we can talk a little bit more as we go forward. Yeah. So how, how would you with regards to what makes it unique? Um, I guess it's more of a plat. It's it's more of like a discussion board or messaging board, isn't yes. it, than something like Twitter or Instagram, where someone will perhaps make a proclamation. Other people can respond right. to it, but you don't. T- I mean, you do see Twitter threads. I haven't seen them. Uh, I, mean, I mean, there are some examples where they can be positive, but oftentimes they're so discouraging. <laughs> let's be honest. But what would you say makes Reddit truly unique? Is is it that? Is it the fact that it's kind of a a, a venue or a forum? Yes, it is a venue and it is a forum. And uh, I think probably one of the, the, the things that distinguishes Reddit from other comparable platforms is that um, it has long standing been um, a sort of like in the forerunning of free speech, that people should be able to come and say whatever they want to say or to be able to ask whatever they want to ask. And uh, as you know, whenever we talk about free speech, there's always going to be the issues that arise about how do you deal with things like hate speech? How do you deal with things like racism? Right. Uh, and then the question arises that if so, who do we who do we have policing these laws and saying, well, these things are acceptable, but these things are not acceptable. So far, Reddit has been at the forefront of being uh, pushing forward, at least uh, from its early days, its first 16 years. Things are changing now, and we'll discuss that in a moment. Uh, the attitude was that anyone could come in and say whatever they wanted to say. And uh, if there was a reasonable enough following for them, then people would follow that. And that would include even controversial things like if someone was to uh, to to post some hate speech or, or some uh, some racist comments or something like that, 
uh, then they they could also do that. Uh, a famous example being uh, uh, people that pushed for um, uh, uh, the support of Donald Trump, uh, former President Donald Trump. And uh, there were a whole lot of other people that felt that, well, these were very inappropriate posts. But Reddit said, well, you know, we want to stay off this. We want to keep... I think something that will be comparable would be, you know how Wikipedia does... Uh, they're writing and they state that you have to have a neutral point of view. I suppose that would be the probably one of the most comparable things to the Reddit culture. When you talk about things are changing, what do you mean specifically? Oh, well, there is. Um, OK, this is me uh, speculating uh, and just you know theorizing on my own within my space here. But I've generally found that you have great and innovative um, organizations i'm not going to call them companies because some of them are not uh, like you know profit for profit or primarily for profit companies so let me just call them organizations so we have an organization that becomes wonderful and and powerful and then becomes of um uh it begins to have monetary value and at that point you get management coming in or new management coming in and saying let us try to tap into and try to monetize the value out of this and usually that results in changing the sort of the, the culture of that organization in yeah. some way. And I think that's what's happening with Reddit. So what do you think is going to happen with this IPO? I mean, I it was interesting <laughs> to see what happened with Facebook's uh, several years ago. And you have to wonder, I mean, I guess if you're making an investment, you're um, indicating in a way that you think whether it's short or long term that the investment will grow. In other words, the value of Reddit will right. grow over time. Uh, do you think there's room for it to continue to grow? Do you think that the IPO, I mean, you, you talk about the influence on on the culture of it, and I think you're bang on on that. We've seen examples. How does the Ooh. IPO impact all of this? Well, right. If you don't mind, may, may, may I just take a minute to sketch out something just to put things Please in Please do. All right. Okay. Let me just uh, just I'm speaking to uh, to your viewers and um, and listeners, and let me just describe a company as like a person. Now, people are born, they're babies, they become teenagers and grow and then they become adults and then they become, you know, mature adults and then they become seniors. And, you know, sadly, they pass away at some point. A company is very much like that. So we can think of a company. Let me just take a very simple example. Oh, by the way, if any of you sitting in there and wondering what does this look like, I would recommend that uh, you can just open up a web browser and Google business life cycle and look under the images and you'll see the curve that I'm talking about. Okay, very quickly, just uh, I'm going to take a company that we're very familiar with um, and, and describe it along this curve. So once upon a time, there were two Steves, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. And uh, they were playing around in their garage and trying to make something that they called a personal computer. That would be about the, oh, thank you. That's, that's a wonderful picture there. So in the early stages, these people are creating the new thing, right? There is no uh, monetizing involved here. And that would be like the baby stage. Things are flat. From a financial point of view, things are flat. Then at a certain point, these people made this, this, this little toy that they called a personal computer, and they started to uh, sell it in some local computer stores and stuff like that and begin to attract attention. This is the point at which the product or service is great, but now it needs a whole lot of money to be able to grow it, to make it a very, um, uh, to make it a very successful company, shall we say. That is the point of the angel investor. Now we're talking the teenagers, the big steep. The angel, the great angel investor for Apple was a guy called Mike Markula, who invested something like a million dollars and managed to boost up that, that uh, growth very fast. Right. Now, that is the Apple that I grew up with. Uh, when I went to um, uh, university, my first computer was a Macintosh, and I'm currently speaking to you on an iMac. So that was the growth. 
Fine. Now, at a certain point, the people that investors, the, in, the angel investors that invested in this company find this rapid growth and they're just like, okay, that's great. I want to cash out. That is the time when typically an IPO takes place. An IPO being simply where the privately owned company now goes to the public and sells its shares in public. Okay. At that point, we would say that the, uh, the company has reached mature state. So it sort of flattened the curve. And the reason we know that that is the case with, uh, with Apple, even though the Apple people will never admit it, the reason that, they, that we know that uh, Apple is in a mature state is, first of all, because when we look at the, the cash flow and the balance sheets, Apple is a very cash-rich company. We call these companies cash cows, right? And the other thing that we know as an indicator is that the products are no longer as remarkably innovative as they used to be. When, when the Apple iPod or the Apple iPhone or the Apple uh, iPad came out, these were very innovative products. But right now, what is the innovation? We're moving from, what is it, iPhone 11 to iPhone 13. We're just slapping on two more cameras on the back, right? Not great innovation. This is middle stage. Then we have companies that are dying out. These are companies that are typically dying out because the technology that supported them is now obsolete. And a very good example of that, because we're going to be talking about that, is GameStop. Now, GameStop is a video game company that uh, um, catered to video games of an earlier generation. That company is in a dying stage. Right. So this is the, this is the curve. I have put Apple in the middle, and I have said that uh, GameStop is dying stage. Now, where does Reddit fit in in all this? Reddit is up on that curve. Reddit is the growing stage right now. And part of the reason for that is because certain few things happened. Uh, COVID did uh, some incredible things to transform business. And this was one such thing. Uh, incidentally, just a quick tie into your, your previous guest, uh, Timothy Caulfield, and, uh, and his comments about COVID. I could talk to you about COVID as well, but that's a different topic. <laughs> right? So this is where it is at. Now we're asking ourselves, can Reddit grow? Okay. According to the curve, yes, this is the point at which Reddit should grow and become the mature company that it will become, shall we say, in the next five to 10 years. But why is Reddit growing? And I think that's an important question that we need to ask ourselves, right? Reddit is a company, interestingly enough, you know, have the startup companies in their baby stage. Usually it's just a few years before they go into growth stage. Reddit is a company that has been around for like about 15, 16 years or so. So that means it has been sort of like flatlining for all that time from a financial point of view. However, Reddit was growing a value base. That means all the Redditors, the people that you talked about, were creating value. Now, in the past year, Reddit, uh, Reddit's platform enabled something really incredible to happen. Yeah, It enabled people Ordinary folks, not CEOs of companies or top investment banks, not the big players, not the government, not none of those people, regular folks, uh, young 20 something uh, men in the basement of, of, of their mom's house kind of thing, if you will. They're sitting in here and they're working on that platform and they were able to do something that um, impacts markets. The biggest thing that they were able to do is they're able to take it. Remember what I said that uh, we had this uh, GameStop company that's an old and dying out company? It's supposed to die. It's just natural stage of uh, life. It's death. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. And these folks thought, well, what happens if we pump information into the market to resurrect, if you will, or to, no, maybe resurrect is the wrong word. Uh, think about it this way. Um, imagine we have a, a grandparent an aged grandparent, and we gave this grandparent uh, a massive adrenaline shot, 
Oh, a boy. massive adrenal injection. Yeah. Then that grandparent will potentially jump up and start running around marathons and doing all that thing. But he will run, uh, he or she will run marathons only for a short time and then probably drop dead from a heart attack or something, right? That is GameStop. Okay. And Reddit enabled a bunch of folks to push a certain, um, a certain set of views, a certain set of popular views on an open forum. And that enabled this dying company to resurrect for a short period of time. And it was amazing because it was, it was it, everybody acknowledged that nobody thought that there was actual value in the stock, except Absolutely. for as a short term vehicle to double or triple or quadruple your money. But the, the concern of, I mean, many concerns, I know a lot of people were saying the people have spoken and the people are influencing markets for once and all that. But you know what? I mean, it's going to be some Redditors that are left holding the bag Right. The stock can't keep climbing at some point. People are going to go, okay, I'm not paying $400 a share for GameStop anymore. And someone's going to get screwed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, you know what? This is something that has come up in some of my classes. And I, and I use two examples of the spike to demonstrate the, the, the importance of intrinsic value. Now, two major companies that had a spike, one of them was Reddit. I'm sorry, not Reddit, um, was GameStop. And another one was Tesla. Right. Okay, now look at the two and something that I really want to convey to all my uh, to all your viewers and listeners is that the true measure of a company is in its intrinsic value drivers, the things that create value in the company. Sometimes the stock price is a good indicator, but the stock price is not a reliable indicator of value. A very simple thing, and it, it does not take a, a PhD in finance to figure this thing out. Look at Reddit as a company. What value is it creating? It is an obsolete uh, company. It's sort of like a company that is like a video store that sells, that rents VHS tapes. It's obsolete. There is no value created. Now, on the other hand, Tesla, despite all the criticisms around Elon Musk and everything, Tesla is an electric car company that is creating electric cars. So we can see that there is value there. Now, when GameStop jumps uh, up on its, uh, um, or, or what, is, uh, what, is, what is it called now? Whipsawing is the word, where you are just whipping up and down uh, stock prices. When, uh, when GameStop does that, you know that there's going to be no value over the long term. And like, I, did a, I did a valuation of Tesla, what was it, last year when I took a course. And I was, despite my, my relatively pessimistic view of Tesla over the long term, I, I had to do a valuation that was somewhere in the 400 to 500 range because there was intrinsic value created. And I think that would be, uh, for, for those of you that are thinking about investing, rather than running after the latest meme in the frenzy, look at a company and say, is this company actually producing value? And if it is producing value, sure, go ahead and invest because despite the whipsawing of the moment, it will stabilize at a higher level. Yeah. A simple example is Zoom. Uh, yeah, Zoom, what a story. Right. right. I mean, can you imagine and it created value? No kidding. And the timing yeah. of it. I mean, it, it may, may be the, the most astronomical growth of, of any company, quite frankly. I mean, I guess you could probably Absolutely. talk about like, you know, vaccine uh, researchers and big corporations like Pfizer and things like that. But Zoom right. uh, went from zero to a million uh, almost overnight. Right. Absolutely. For obvious reasons. Absolutely. So, and you see an interesting thing that comes out of these kind of things. This is a transitional point. That's the reason I'm trying to distinguish between companies versus organizations is that we're seeing a trend moving towards organizations can be companies so long as those organizations provide uh, collaborative platforms that enable certain activities to take place. 
A good example is how Zoom does that because Zoom provided a collaborative platform. And during the lockdown uh, year, I, um, I could not see my parents, I could not see my child, I could not see my family, and Zoom became that, that model. Uh, and one could even say the same thing about the COVID vaccines, that not only was it the creation of the vaccine, but it was the astounding global cooperation that happened between scientists around the world to so rapidly produce a vaccine in one year. I would call that one of the greatest uh, feats of human cooperation in, in, in the history of Homo sapiens. Am I picking up from this that your advice might be, and you're probably going to offer, offer the same caveat that I do, which is that don't ever listen to me for your investment advice. Do not do what I say, <laughs> nor what I do when I direct my own investment. Okay, now that we have that on the record, am I picking up from you, Tony, that you should approach the Reddit IPO with caution, and now's probably a pretty good time to sell your shares in Apple? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so major, well, you, major... you said that they're at the mature phase, right? You said that you don't see innovation anymore. Oh, actually, I, I have to correct that, but but I do I do have to put in my caveat in here, right? That what I'm talking about are largely my opinions, and if there are anything that are factual, go to the textbooks, go online and read it, and and you know check up on the thing. I mean, I, for I sure, Tony, be- but you're smart. You know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> Let's skip General the caveat. Speaking. All right. Yeah. Let, let me let me just to quickly answer your point about Apple. Apple now would be a really good time to buy Apple stock and to stay with Apple stock for one reason right is that apple is now a cash cow so it's going to start paying out dividends yeah if you want if you want a company that's going to pay you regular dividends over time a lot of people don't think about this but if you're a parent and uh you know you want to fund your kids education these kind of companies that pay regular dividends that's a very good investment because you get a good chunk of money coming in every quarter so that would be my advice regarding apple like i mean if you want to invest over the long term apple is a very good investment Reddit, on the other hand, we have to ask ourselves a question. And that's the reason why I gave you that whole growth curve, is that is Reddit in the beginning of its growth or is it at the end of its growth? So far, what the one thing that I'm concerned about is that Reddit seems to be jumping, uh, it, it seems to be jumping in on the basis of what happened last year with, uh, with GameStop and the meme stock frenzy that is happening this year. So I don't know, are they jumping on a bandwagon here? Yeah. Are they at the end of the thing? Are they trying to milk things? Because something did happen in 2015 that was very significant. I don't know if you wanted to go into that. Oh, well, yeah. But, uh, nah, let's just wrap it up. Thanks, Tony. Good to talk to you, yeah. pal. See you later, bud. No. no worries. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. What happened in 2015? I was not sure if you were wrapping no, me up. Every, everyone's like on the edge of their seats right now being like, well, we can do whatever we want. This is real talk. We can go for three more hours. We don't have to stop. What, what happened in 2015? <laughs> Everybody's hanging, Tony. We're hanging. Oh, my gosh. All right. Okay. All right. So we got Redditors. That means people that come along and they put their posts, whatever that they want to put on. And um, if the posts get upvoted, they go up uh, uh, higher up the um, the ladder, so to speak. It's sort of like having more likes on Facebook or, or, or sure. you know on, on YouTube or something like that. Now, the primary person who was running this and uh, the, the, the face of Reddit was this young lady by the name of Victoria Taylor. And Victoria Taylor was very much a part of creating communities. And one such community that she created was called AMA or Ask Me Anything. And she managed to get really important people on on the show. This is the one that I mentioned about uh, former President Barack Obama answering questions. This particular um, Ask Me Anything became really popular and people started coming into it. 
And at that point, the leaders, or shall we say the, the founding CEOs, and, and there was a little bit of a mix up there with the CEOs, but the point is that the management looked at this particular opportunity and thought that like, hey, is there some way that we can monetize this opportunity? Right. And that seemed to kind of go against the ethos, if you will. I'm, I'm not saying that Reddit is not a, a profit driven organization, but it is not a solely or largely profit driven organization. And they tried to do this, but Victoria Taylor very much resisted the idea of monetizing uh, uh, this particular um, subreddit. And the management just summarily fired her. No explanation, no nothing. And uh, even when the, the press tried to reach out to, to Victoria, she was not able to respond to them. So the subreddits got really mad about this and said, like, what the heck is going on? Like, I mean, how can you just fire like the best Redditor ever? Right. Uh, a great analogy would be like, uh, imagine, um, you know, in Wikipedia, there are some people that are like the primary contributors to Wikipedia. They do it a lot. And imagine if, 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 if uh, what is his name? Jimmy Wells decided to fire one such person of the thing, everybody on Wikipedia were like, what the heck, like, why? And there was no answer to this. At that time, they brought in an interim CEO by the name of Ellie Cow. Now, Ellie Cow has got a little bit of a reputation coming behind her, but one thing that, or a couple of things that we noticed about Ellie Cow is that when Ellie Cow came over to Reddit, she wanted to do a little bit of that moral policing. That means that she was just like, okay, if there are certain sites that use uh, that are, are very uh, nasty and, and sexist or, or, or racist or something like that, we're going to shut down those sites. This woman comes along and um, I mean, she, she I don't know whether she was instrumental in the firing of Victoria Taylor, but she makes a, a couple of inane comments in there that further infuriate the Redditors and uh, the Redditors managed to shut down their post to the point where the CEO had to resign from the firm and be replaced by someone else. So you see, this is the point that I'm talking about that transition. There was a company that built its value over 16 years with loyal followers, creating a, a sense of community. Uh, what is it? A 160 million member community, if you will. And now you have got management coming in there and saying, oh, let's see if we can monetize this. Mm. And the people that don't agree with our monetizing, we're going to fire them, even if they are the top Redditors, if you will. Right. So now what we have is that that, that is the thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. Look at the reaction. Why is why is uh, Reddit doing its IPO now? It seems to be it seems as if some hotshot management consultant, you know, like you see the stereotype in the movies who comes along and cuts things or that kind of, it seems maybe some such management consultant has come over to Reddit and be like, hey, Reddit, we're going to take you and we're going to make a few gazillion dollars off you. We're going to ride this and we're going to, that, that, that seems to be the vibe. And I'm very much concerned about that because what will happen is that, let's, sure enough, IPO will take place. Uh, I think the IPO will be very successful. We've got about already 10, 10 million, by the way, 10 million is the investor valuation. Now, when Reddit goes to do its IPO, it'll ask for a certain price on the market. And there is the possibility that it'll get even more than that when it goes on the IPO. The question is whether Reddit is going to be able to sustain that over a five to 10 year period. And my suspicion, or one thing that I'm cautious about is that there seems to be a lot of like hotshot management consulting, short term gain, you know, shooting for the big buck kind of strategy at work in the past couple of years. And that is not Reddit. Reddit is more like Wikipedia. It it needs its 20 years span to become this rich encyclopedia of the world. And, I, and, and if Reddit can be that platform, then that's what it should be.
Yeah, but we, I'm concerned about the management and the leadership. Yeah, this is great. I'm so appreciative of this insight. This is great. Uh, some random guy on our live chat, that's their handle, uh, appears to be a pretty big Redditor based on their comments saying, I, you know, says, I, I hope everybody doesn't think that Reddit is just racism and hate says there's oh, absolutely there, yeah, says there's like a subreddit about houseplants. That's totally delightful. And there's lots of great stuff on Reddit. Um, but oh, yeah. but but some random guy does say if Reddit does become very corporate, a massive portion of their user base will leave. It's been traditionally yes. anti-capitalist. Yes. Absolutely. And you see, that, that that is something that is very important there is that like, I mean, when we think about it, the, the, the hardcore, the rich fat cat capitalist thing, that, that stereotype has always been there. But one thing that is especially true in this generation, like I would say in the past 10, 20 years, because I teach young people a lot and I can see that, is that anti-capitalist notion, that the anti-greedy capitalist notion. These people are all about making money. They're very entrepreneurial generation and stuff like that. But they're also about we're going to collaborate together. We're not going to try to like, you know, uh, um, like manipulate and exploit. Right. So that is that is the structure of Reddit. And if and you're absolutely right. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Redditor that uh, that just commented to you, I, I totally agree that those those are the people that created Reddit. They created we, beautiful and wonderful communications uh, in Reddit. So Reddit is largely a wonderful company, in my opinion, a, a wonderful organization that enables a whole lot of people to communicate on a global basis. This is an absolutely fantastic thing. But as with all cases of the greatness of free speech, there is always going to be this little caveat in the corner. And there and there can be great and fantastic and, and productive uh, entities that are not great investments. Right? Exactly. Like it's not necessarily exactly. like, I mean, like Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wikipedia for sure. Um, Anthony, this is great. We kept you way longer than we thought we would because I was just—you were just like spilling hot takes. And so, what are we supposed to do about it? I hope that we haven't well, stopped thank you. you. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you come in saying you're not sure if you know much about Reddit, and, and to be honest, deep down inside, I'm going, uh oh. And, uh, and and then you basically gave us the best analysis of it that I've ever heard. Uh, I like the cut of your jib. Uh, Tony Maya Dene is a lecturer at the Alberta School of Business. The Department of Finance at the University of Alberta teaches at the University of Toronto as well in the Faculty of Engineering in the Rotman School of Management. Where are you coming at us from today? Is this your office in, in Edmonton? Uh, no, I actually live in Toronto. Oh, you're in and, Toronto. Uh, this is my home office. Love it. It used to be my living room and uh, it became my office. I've been teaching from here for the past two years now. Very well done. I, I can't steal the the uh, prowess or the prominence that comes with a room raider ranking. But <laughs> but I, I would say that you're you're flirting with a nine and a half, if not a 10 out of 10 there, my man. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you got I, it. I, I just couldn't find a good background. <laughs> well, very nicely done. Tony, it's been a real pleasure to welcome you to the show. I'm already looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you for this. Thank you very much, Ryan. It was wonderful talking to you as well. You, you, yeah, that's uh, Tony Maya Dene uh, of the University of Toronto, University of Alberta. I love that. Hey, where do you lecture? Eh, U of T, U of A, you know, a couple of the biggest universities in the country. I, I like that. Um, Sam, did it did it influence you in, in either direction? Were you considering throwing 500 bucks at the Reddit IPO in early 2022? And, and if so, or if not, did this change your mind? I've cashed out my RRSPs and they're all in Reddit stock now. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Do not take investment advice from me either. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's, I think something that was like a real theme that was touched on here is just the idea of an IPO seems to be kind of incongruous to what Reddit is. And I think that, you know, as, as Anthony sort of mentioned through a myriad of examples, um, 
Reddit has been this thing that is sort of this organic community that kind of polices itself yeah. and resists any sort of interference. And so, you know, in order to extract value out of Reddit, there's going to have to be some changes there, but it's one of the most change averse platforms out there. I remember looking at Reddit like a couple years ago and, and even just the layout of the website I was just gonna say, even the felt like going it, back right? to 1995 and they, they gave it a tiny little update and people revolted about it. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because it's, you know, the, Reddit as a company has to find a way to make money, but at the same time, they're only as good as their users and this very, very well could drive their users away. What you just said prompted a physical reaction from Hoyles and I'm with you where you said Reddit's got to drive Sam said something what do you say it's got to drive revenue or something like that at least if it's if it's being traded I mean that's kind of the whole point Um, but you went eh and I'm with you I don't know that does like does this wreck the magic of it I mean keep keep my people at the top that stand to make billions of dollars don't really care about the magic they don't care about the magic no and that's that was kind of the what kind of made my we twig a little bit was the idea like but does it need to make money i know that that's the point of it going on the stock market but the whole point of it is not it's not based on making money the model is not to make money so i don't know i feel like it's kind of it's it's going it's like you know when you pet a dog the wrong way (laughs) (laughs) you put their fur like you go against the grain of the fur such an Accurate metaphor. What a great! I yeah. love that. Wow, you you pet a dog the wrong way. I love this from Larry in the chat. He says, "Fat cat capitalism manipulates, exploits, and colonizes society and sets the values, morals, and the realities of citizens. The problem is capitalism for profit at all costs and focus on the reality that sex sells." Interesting take from Larry. Uh, Nice to see Mark B. chiming in from SLC from Salt Lake City, Utah. Says that was very interesting. That was very interesting. I like that. I just like the way Tony rolls. I just like the way he talks, you know. Um, okay. Let's remind everyone because we're going to get into our I want to get to a couple emails. We're going to get into the results of our question of the week. We're going to find out on average what you are paying for your cell phone, your Internet, for your streaming services. It's higher than what I thought for people on a monthly basis, streaming services. And our family is right around the median. So I I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, That's coming up in just a second. Let me remind you how proud we are, you know, to be partnering with a a guy you might have heard of, William H. Macy, um, the Academy Award nominated actor, the Emmy Award winner, the star of Shameless uh, and the face of Woody Creek Distillers out of Colorado are Real Talk cask number one bourbon made with 100% sweet Olathe corn is now available, but for a limited time, shout out to Wayne, Real Talker Wayne, who was in touch with me yesterday, said the team at Whiskey Drop let him know that they're down to their last case. That means they're down to their last six bottles. It's a limited run. It's one cask, 210 bottles total. If you want to get your hands on one of these, Whiskey Drop and Sherbrooke Liquor in Edmonton have them, and Vine Arts has it in Calgary. You can check out the bigger Woody Creek lineup wherever you buy fine liquors, and you can read out more about the distillers at woodycreekdistillers.com. Liquor is one of my favorite words. I don't know why. It's just fun to say. (laughs) Liquor. I better not go right into a car ad after that, so what I will do is remind you, that there's nothing worse than getting all greased up and trying to do your own landscaping. Am I right? Why not leave it to the team at Eden Landscaping? I had to think quickly, what's a client that wouldn't mind me coming in with just an absolutely bizarre segue? And Mike at Eden Landscaping, I know, is not going to mind one bit because he's going to say, you're right, Ryan. The message is people should trust this 
to the pros. And so uh, Mike wanted me to remind you, we had a lunch a couple of weeks ago, just a delightful fella, family-owned business, said remind everybody now is a great time for them to reach out to us. Do not, well, I mean do, but don't reach out to us in April or May expecting to get the job done by the beginning of June. It's just not the way that it works, especially with the supply chain. Now's a great time to get the design started via landscapeedmonton.ca. That's our friends at Eden Landscaping. It's a great time to check out the new deals. Limited time offers ending January 3rd at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge right now. You can get up to $3,000 bonus cash for select owners on that brand new the 2021 ram 1500 classic just a beautiful truck back to back to back motor trend truck of the year they've also got the full jeep lineup including that wagoneer that everybody's talking about you can shop online or go see them in person at saint albert and sherwood dodge and a reminder that trash talk is early this week coming up on thursday it's because friday is a special show for our patreon supporters it's a big zoom call you can go and make sure you send us an email. Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can send us your emails, your trash talks. We've still got room for a couple. We want to challenge you to make them non-political. That's what we'd love to see. We've got a lot of political trash talks right now. What's something that drives you nuts outside of the arena of politics? Points for humor to talk at RyanJesperson.com. The team at Local Waste Services has been keeping it local for a quarter century with construction, commercial, and residential waste and recycling collection. You can request a quote today at localwaste.ca. Real talk. Can you tell I'm having a bit of trouble talking right now? Just a tiny little bit of trouble talking. Can you tell? A little bit. Yeah. You know, some of the greatest athletes of all time have played hurt. And I want to let you know I'm playing (laughs) hurt today. I went to a place that opened up downtown Edmonton and I had heard people raving about the pizza. And I'm trying to get him to advertise on the show, so I'm not going to say it right now. Did you burn your... I burned my mouth so bad last <laughs> night, so bad, that I can barely talk right now. And I'm trying to, I'm like, trying to like tend to it with my, the tip of my tongue at the top of my mouth. Did, because, you, did you burn the roof of your mouth? Oh, yeah. Oh, and it is like, it's kind of blistering a little yeah, bit yeah, right yeah, now. Peeling. But I didn't care. I knew I had to leave it. I knew the pizza needed five minutes, but I was, I did, I did not have the five minutes to spare. <laughs> And I'm going to be paying the price. I'm hoping for quick healing. I'm hoping that this can sort itself out. But man, oh man, is it uncomfortable. That's just the real talk. If people right now are going like, what is up? It sounds like he's kind of, I sound like somebody that like has the, uh, what are the Invisalign? You know, they're like not the braces, but you know, they have Invisalign. And then you're like listening to someone talk and you're going, and then you finally, oh, they have Invisalign. No wonder they sound a little off. That's me today. I'm playing hurt because I love you guys. And I promise I'm going to show up for you every single day. Let's dive into our results of our real talk question of the week. This is presented. We call it get real. Our question of the week. And uh, Y Station, our official research and strategy partners, deserve such a shout out. They do an amazing job on this for us. We asked you, la- we asked you last week about how much you're paying for uh, cell phone, for internet, for streaming services. Uh, a great interview mid last week about what the Rogers Bell merger, that pending rumored merger, is going to mean for you as a consumer, as a Canadian. We thought it was a good opportunity to get in to this type of question on cost of living. Basically, that's what this is. Sam, let's take a look at some of the highlights from this report. 91% of real talkers that responded to this survey, hundreds of you, 9 out of 10, agree with the idea that smartphones are such a necessity that they are virtually a basic utility. And by the way, Ytrium sent us an email based on the comments yesterday, only as a landline under 40 years of age. I'm going to read the email in just a second. Here's another interesting bit of data based on our survey. Only 3% of real talkers believe we have real choice. 
when it comes to mobility companies and their services. I would love to see what it would look like if we exclusively pulled our American audience members, but 3% with an audience largely in Canada feels we have truly good, solid choice or solid options. Here's another high-level view at the results. This was a pretty interesting one. 86% of real talkers believe that additional data rates are unreasonable. Almost 9 out of 10 believe that the additional data rates are unreasonable. I'm probably the 14% outside of that. I doubled up my data. I was getting sick of it. They put you in the penalty box. They're like, you've hit your 20, whatever it is, 20 gigs. Uh, and, and then they put me, they, they'd be like, in your next billing cycle, we'll put you back to full speed. And then in the meantime, they'd slow my phone down. I'm like, what is this? Like, So I called her. I was like, listen, I'm sick of, I was polite. But I was like, oh, hi, I'm just calling, you know, because these people can make or break your plan, right? If you're like, what the hell? They're like, oh, well, let's just make sure that your plan goes up. Unfortunately, sir, you know, 10 bucks for me to double my data. I thought that was pretty reasonable. So I might be in the 14%, but it's just subjective. Here's another high level view. Uh, this was another sort of a, a, a poll stat that we took out of this. Thought it was interesting. 87%. Look at these numbers. 87, 86, 91, 3. 87% of real talkers think the proposed merger, Shaw Rogers, will be a further monopoly on a constricted market. I'm surprised that's not 100%. And this was an interesting one. Here's the numbers. On average, real talkers, you are paying $112 a month for mobility services, $105 a month for internet services, plus an additional $44 a month for streaming services. Our family's at about 40 bucks. I was thinking, what do we pay for like Netflix, Disney, Amazon, and whatever else we have? Apple TV, I think it is. About 40 bucks, something like that. God Although man. the cost is going up. You put out a, an unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll on top of our <laughs> kind of scientific <laughs> Y Station poll. What are people saying about phones this morning? Yeah, so we put up a poll asking, would you buy a smartphone that doesn't make or receive phone calls? Hell yeah. And you and I both kind of feel that, yeah, that would be great. And so the options were, yes, don't call me ever. Yep. And I'm in that camp. And that's at 27%. The camp that Sam belongs to, which is, no, I like phone calls, is at 61%, which surprised me. And then undecided is at 11%. What is wrong with these people <laughs> that want phone calls? I want, fo- I, I, if, if you're not a family member of mine, I don't want you to call me. I mean, that's just it. I don't care if it's an emergency. I don't care if you think that what you're talking about is important. Uh, I'm going to cast my vote right now by way of our official account at Real Talk RJ for yes, unless you're a family member of mine, don't call me ever. 61% like phone calls. What is wrong with these people? Don't you have other things to do like scroll Twitter? Like you want to talk to actual humans? You want to have con- Sam? What is wrong with you? I, I, I'm just feeling very vindicated right now. <laughs> very, very vindicated. This is kind of your boasty face. Well, I, you know, here, here's where my position comes from. I have a couple of friends who will just call me out of the blue, and and sometimes I'll screen their call and I'll be like, uh, I don't have time right now. I'll send them a quick text and say like, get back to me. But there are people that I know that just want to have a conversation. Um, director that I work with all the time, Adam Kidd. I know that when he calls me, it's going to be like half an hour on the phone. But I, I like enjoy named, my conversations. I like that you named him. him. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. He's, he's, like, he's, you know it's going to be. I, then I don't pick up. I'm like, this is going to be a 30 minute call. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's a 30 minute call when I'm ready for it that I want. I love investing that time. Fair enough. Oh boy! All right, fair enough. I Sam. can't even. I mean, the majority is siding with you, but that doesn't mean that you're right. The majority's Thank been you. wrong before. Majority, 
elected Donald Trump as president. Let's keep that in well, mind. Well, actually, not the majority. True, but, true, but still. But I he mean, still won. In a sense, he still won. Well, this is obviously an unscientific. And what we'll yeah. do is probably just delete this Twitter poll once it's done. <laughs> Obviously, 60% of respondents. It just goes to show you can't trust people on Twitter. That's all that that goes to show. Um, a reminder that our question of the week right now is up at RyanJesperson.com. Just go to connect, and then we'd love for you to take it. It's it's kind of your way to look back on the year that was, the stories that jumped out at you, what you'd like to hear more of in the new year. Uh, we're going to have some fun with that coming as soon as we're back on January 3rd. We're taking next week off. And as mentioned, it's a Patreon special on Zoom on Friday. If you support us on Patreon, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, check your email for the link. Um, I wanted to get to some emails. I love this from White Room, who, who chimed in on the chat yesterday. He said, I'm under 40 and I only have a landline. And uh, basically, we asked White Room to be in touch. And I'm not going to use White Room's real name for once. Um, I love this. Says, Real Talk Team, it is I, White Room. <laughs> Which is amazing. It is I. Says, uh, so here's some background to my choice. Under 40 years of age, only a landline. Says, uh, first, importantly, as a measure of responsibility and safety, I do have an emergency pay-as-you-go phone for my car, uh, though I never check it, and it's probably always on a dead battery. Terrible, I know. Probably defeats the purpose and the responsibility and safety aspect. I do have, I have an iPod, which has all the same capabilities, except for being able to send and receive calls, though it is dependent on being connected to Wi-Fi. Uh, in not having a cell phone, this goes back to the emergence of the pervasiveness of mobile phones around 20 years ago. And at the end of my high school years, there were only a few people with cell phones, uh, but it was not until entering university where I cemented my stand. You know, coming out of a lecture, I'd see people get on their phones right away only to meet up with the person a second later. You know, they just received, they just walked out of the lecture hall together. For me, it was a question of what's going on? Why are you doing this? Why can't you just wait? It's We're talking about seconds. And as cell phones became more integrated, that pattern of behavior continued and people would be out with humans, but they'd be on their phone texting. You know, they'd go to house parties and people would like sit on the same couch texting each other. And it's just like a behavior that's never sat right with me. And since the emergence of the smartphone, the pattern's only grown and people everywhere, eyes glued to their devices. I mean, that's undeniable, right? You know, pedestrians, like, you know, sidewalker, you got to like look out, people just bang into each other, right? You know, I was going to say pedestrians starting, you know, causing car accidents. That's where you thought I was going. Rongo bongo, that is not true. Going out with friends to any event. Sorry, I just had to get back to the email. I would like, yeah. Going out with friends to any event. Everybody at some point is going to check their phone. No one's in the moment anymore. And it's always like multiple things layered on. Right. I mean, do we really need potential to heighten our stress and anxiety these days? You know, next time you're out, take a moment and turn off your device for like 30 minutes. I realize not everyone can. Maybe you've got kids at home or whatever the case may be. You're on call for work. But but notice how many times if your phone's turned off, you'll still even reach for it to like text or to play a game or to look something up. And notice how many of the people around you when you're out in a group are on their phones. I would add to it when you're at a red light. Look around and see how many people are on their phones. Ytream says when we're out, shouldn't we be engaged with the people that we're out with? You know, shouldn't we be giving them our focus? He says, most recently, I looked to a recent action by Disney and their Genie Plus initiative where to fully access their parks. You have to be on your phone instead of just enjoying the park, your time with friends and family. You got to be scrolling and clicking and it just rubs me the wrong way. Of course, I think smartphones are incredible tools, uh, but like all tools, how we use them is just as important as whether or not we have them. And, you know, having a point of contention or curiosity when you're out with your friends, you know, people being able to look it up on the fly. Of course, that's great for discourse. Ytream says years ago, I read an article from a sociologist. Uh, no, he says, yeah, granted, it was just one article from one sociologist. 
but it had some interesting points about human connectivity. And they talked about how cell phones have at the same time brought us closer together and pushed us further apart. And being able to contact anyone anywhere at any time is a marvel. Uh, But look at the types of conversations we're having and the duration. They've shortened and the depth has been reduced. We have increased the ability to connect, but reduced the substance of the connection. I know at some point I will make the change uh, with apps and tech becoming more integrated. It gets harder to avoid. But when I'm out away from home, I'm doing the things I planned and I'm enjoying those things and being in the moment, even if it's just shopping for groceries to quote Cheryl Crow. If you want to reach me, reach me at home. As always, I realize that this is a privilege not everyone can afford, so I will enjoy it as long as I can. That from Ytrium. That's a great email. I love it. That'll be entered into consideration for our email of the month for the month of December. Ytrium, thanks so much for being in touch. Our friends at Friesen Brothers wanted me to let you know that as many people will be looking to their team of Red Seal chefs to look after their dinner plans through the holidays. This comes with the territory of advertising on Real Talk. The pickup Christmas dinner boxes are actually sold out. Sorry, at the South Edmonton Rabbit Hill store and at Stony Plain, but you can still order them into the Fort Saskatchewan Friesen Brothers. If you've not been to the Fort Saskatchewan Friesen Brothers, if you don't live in Fort Saskatchewan, it is worth the trip. They've got a, a phenomenal pizza oven. They've got beer on tap. It is not just a grocery store. It's worth the trip out if you're looking for that pickup Christmas dinner box. All You Can Eat Christmas Feast has ended. They want to thank everybody, including the Real Talkers that showed up for that. But they've still got a ton of gift ideas, plenty of gift boxes, and a limited number of pink pineapples they wanted to update us on that we know a lot of people were picking those up for about 15 bucks they were on special the that that sort of cultural tradition uh, out of gifting fruit around the holidays why not gift an amazing pink pineapple it is what it sounds like a pineapple that's pink inside comes with a gift card and everything it's a super cool idea through the holiday seasons you can learn more about everything i've just talked about at freezen.com our friends at the dairy queens of north uh, west edmonton and sherwood park are not sold out of the holiday log cakes because uh, they stock up for these things they know that it's a huge holiday tradition for people holiday log cakes at these five dairy queens are half price right now if you mention my name or mention Real Talk. These are the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. If you're in Edmonton or Sherwood Park, plus they're selling, I don't want to say selling, they've got their Stollery Bucks. Right now, here's how it works. You donate five bucks to the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation, they're going to give you five bucks to spend at DQ in DQ bucks. So it's a win-win for all parties involved. This is the group that's raised more than a million dollars for the Stollery. We're so proud to be partnering with them on that. And friends, I also wanted to let you know before we sign off for the day that we've got a great show coming up uh, coming up tomorrow. Um, Sarah's put together a roundtable. Uh, it's faith leaders, essentially, but, but we're not just going to talk about you know where you sign on the dotted line to save your soul from burning in hell for all of eternity. We're going to bring together an evangelical, uh, a a Jewish, and a Muslim faith leader. And we're just going to talk about the year that was and get their perspectives. You won't want to miss Noor Al-Hannity, Cleo Rose, and Michael Corrin. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, 
and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.